So we've been talking about faith all year long, and we're currently in a series, we're wrapping it up today, that's called Faith Extinguishers. And we're talking about things that extinguish our faith, things that turn off our faith. And the way we define faith extinguishers is something that will extinguish or put out our faith. A faith extinguisher is something that puts out our faith. And we've talked so far about three different things that can turn off, extinguish, put out our faith. We talked about unbelief, we talked about doubt, and we talked about fear. Those are things that can extinguish our faith. And by the way, this is not an all-encompassing list. There's different things that happen in our life that can cause our faith to dwindle or to be extinguished. But we talked about these three so far. And today I want to talk about another one that we all deal with. And it's this five-letter word called worry. Worry can extinguish our faith. Worry extinguishes faith. And I want us to go this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter number six. As you look it up, the book of Matthew, chapter number six. And depending on the translation you're reading, it uses the word worry, it uses the word anxiety or anxious, or it uses the word thoughts, depending on what translation you are reading. So Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 25, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not worry about your life. Do not give thoughtfulness to your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, by worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Worry. If you look up the word worry in the dictionary, you get these definitions. They're going to come up on the screen behind me. This is the first definition. If you're using worry as a verb, it means this. To torment oneself with suffering from disturbing thoughts. To torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts. Here's another definition of worry. Watch. To torment with cares, anxieties, etc. Worry is tormenting. And who does worrying torment? The worrier. It doesn't torment anybody else. It torments us. And worry is something that will extinguish our faith. And, and, and I want you to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Worrying starts with our thoughts. 
It starts with our thoughts. It's, it's actually right there in the definition. It's a tormenting thought, suffering thought. When you look up this word in the original language, it is the word merim now, merim now. And this is what the word connotes or suggests, a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, or pressure. Where our mind goes, we are sure to follow. And what happens when we begin to think a certain way, then we change our speech about it. And before you know it, now you didn't think it. You also spoke it and you believed it. But it starts with worrying. And it starts in our thoughts. It starts with our thoughts. When we don't think that something can happen, chances are it's not going to happen. And this, what we think, can extinguish our faith. I wrote it down this way. Worry can cause us to shift focus from Jesus to situation. Worry. It can cause us to shift focus from Jesus to situation. We hit on that last week a little bit when we talked about doubt. We talked about Peter walking on the water. Jesus says, come, and Jesus begins to walk on water. And the minute he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the wind, he saw the waves, he began to worry, he began to fear, he began to doubt, and he began to sink. And when you and I begin to worry based on what we see, what we begin to think about, we worry about the, the, the stock market, we worry about our health and the diagnosis from the doctor, we worry about X, Y, or Z, it begins to consume us and shift our focus from Jesus to the situation. And in that moment, our faith begins to be extinguished. Our thoughts are powerful. How are we thinking? What are we thinking about? And there is a battle for our thoughts. I was reading in the Harvard Medical Journal a study on worry. And it was talking about the way that worry can lead to anxiety because worry starts with the thoughts and then anxiety is the physical manifestation of it. And it's talking about if you're dealing with this, one of the main important things you got to change is what you're thinking about. It even talks about the fact that if you're worried about what's going on, stop watching the news. Interesting. This is in the Harvard Medical Journal. But it's nothing new. Jesus said, stop worrying about these things that you can't control. Stop worrying about the thing. Start wor stop worrying about it. And, and, and this is something the Lord gave me this morning, or, or sorry, this Tuesday morning. I was sitting right here. I was on my knees during prayer service at around 6.15 in the morning. And I was reading through this passage in prayer. And watch. Look at what Jesus says here. In verse number 26. The birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bards, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And this is what hit me. Are you not of more value than they? And this is what I felt the Lord show me. Worry can come from not knowing our value. Worry can come from not knowing our value. Think about it for a second. When you were trying to prove yourself to your parent, to your spouse, to your boss, and you start worrying about if I don't do enough, if I, if I mess up, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to do this. And, and you start getting so worrisome and so anxious that you can't fulfill, you can't do. And when we forget that we are his children, 
his sons and his daughters. And we begin to think that we're not worth it, we're not valuable. And the enemy begins to accuse us of our past and accuse us of what we've done and accuse us of all those things. We begin to worry. And when we begin to worry, our faith begins to be extinguished. I was sitting in my office last night in my house, going over my notes and going over the different things. And I had worship music playing in my office there in the house. And and all of a sudden, even through the, the worship music, I heard my daughter start to cry. And I heard my wife say, why are you crying? And so immediately I got up and I walked over there. And one of my daughters was crying at her computer, doing her math homework for summer. And I asked her, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And she begins to express how, how I don't know and I'm getting this wrong and I've wasted all this time and she's doing all of these things and I could see the worry, I can see the anxiety, I could see what she was carrying of I'm disappointing if I take too long, I, if I don't get it, if I don't understand it. And I just hugged her and I said, I love you, I don't care if you get 25 problems wrong. That does not stop our love for you. And I looked at her as she cried, and I said, you know what I'm preaching about tomorrow? She said, what? I said, I'm preaching about when Jesus told us not to be anxious. And when Jesus looked and said, if I care about the birds of the air, how much more valuable are you? And the enemy wants us to question our value. The enemy wants us to think we're not worth it. The enemy wants us to think we can't, God doesn't want us anymore. It's even what the prodigal son thinks, right? I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. His value came into question. And if our value's in question, worry sets in. And if worry sets in, faith turns off. And we need to strive to understand that as his children have value. As his children, we have worth. Two times in this passage, he talks about the value. I just read you the first one, but look at verse number 20, uh, verse number 31. Sorry, verse number 30. When he talks about the God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Have you, have you ever seen on the turnpike these beautiful fields of, uh, of wildflowers? You can be driving down the turnpike and all of a sudden, you, after rainy season, you see these beautiful fields of wildflowers. Nobody's there gardening them, preparing them. It's seeds that have sprung forth. And if God cares for that, does he not care much more for his son and daughter? Amen. For his children. And so the enemy wants us to question our value. Who are we? Are we worth it? Can I tell you something this morning? You are worth it. You are worth it. It's why God sent his son Jesus to pay the price for your sin and for my sin. It's why Jesus died on the cross for your sickness and my sickness. It's why Jesus paid the price. Because now, as his children, we can understand we are worth it. We're worthy. So the enemy wants us to worry and question our value, question who we are. But the reality is this, we can overcome it as his children. 
This word, merim now, distraction, preoccupation, things causing anxiety, stress. Do you know what Jesus uses this word as well in the parable of the sower? When you read the parable of the sower, Jesus says a sower went out to sow and he threw some seeds and it landed on the wayside and some landed on stony ground and some landed on the thorns and some landed on fertile soil. And the disciples asked him one day, Jesus, what does this mean? And Jesus, and specifically the one of the thorny ground, he says, the seed that lands on the thorny ground is this, the one that lands and begins to grow, but the cares of this word. The merimau of this world is what the original language says. Those weights, those worries, they choke the word. And it becomes, this is the, the word Jesus uses, unfruitful. When worry comes in, we become unfruitful. We cannot produce. So we combat it. We fight it. How do we overcome worry? I want to talk about three little things for a bit. Number one is this, we overcome worry by seeking God first. Look at what the Bible says. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Verse number 30, let's pick up from verse 31. Therefore, be anxious or do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you have need of them all. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added onto you. Worry comes, how do we combat it? Get back in tune to seek God first. God, what do you want me to do? If you want me to do this, I will obey, I will follow. You know, Jesus, when was, he was asked by his disciples, how do we pray? Jesus said this, in this manner, therefore, shall you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We know it, right? Now, Jesus wasn't teaching us the, what we know as the Our Father to be a rote memorizational prayer. It was a track, a guide of how to pray. Recognizing who God is, number one, our Father who art in heaven. Reverence unto him, hallowed be thy name. But one of the things that Jesus taught us to pray for is this. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, even at 12 years old, when he stayed in the temple for three days, his parents didn't know where he was. And they find him in the temple. And Jesus answered this, did you not know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? When we focus on God's kingdom first, he takes care of everything else. We can't focus on building our own kingdom. We can't focus on building our own empires. We can't focus on building our church. We need to focus on advancing God's kingdom. Can I tell you, there's a lot of unsafe people out there in the city of Miami where we live. If you're watching from another city, there's a lot of unsafe people in your city. What are we doing to get Jesus to them? And not just the unsaved one. Do you know there's a lot of people that know Jesus but have stopped following God because of encounters with poor representations of Christ and Christians? I can't believe that so-called Christian didn't say hi to me. That so-called Christian is such a hypocrite. That so-called Christian 
and there are hurting people. And I ask you this question, what are you and I doing to bring them and usher them to healing to advance God's kingdom? We can't worry about stuff. We need to focus on advancing his kingdom. Focus on pushing the ball forward. Focusing on loving people. Focusing on helping people look to Jesus. Not look to man. I say this all the time. Yes, I pastor 3W Church. Do not keep your eyes on me. Your eyes need to be on Jesus. Jesus is the one that died for you. Jesus is the one that raised from the grave. Jesus is the one that heals, restores, and delivers. I'm a mouthpiece, but it's your responsibility to get into the word of God. Your eyes, my eyes, need to be on him. And as we seek him first, he takes care of everything else. You know, my kids don't have to walk around the house and check, is there milk today? Dad knows if there's milk or if there's need of milk and goes and buys it. Dad knows if there's a thing. Mom knows if there's a thing. We take care of it. They don't need to worry about it. They just need to wake up and go to the kitchen counter and there'll be breakfast. You and I need not to worry because God's got this. And if God cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more does he care for his sons and daughters? Seek him. Seek him. We overcome worry by seeking God first. First Peter tells us this, casting our cares on him. Same word, our cares, our worries, our anxieties, our burdens. What do we do with them? We cast them on God. Sometimes we try to carry things that we don't need to carry. I've seen my kids try to carry something and move something, and it's like, no, 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 let me carry it for you. I heard this story a long time ago, a little boy that was playing in his little sandbox in the backyard. And as he's playing in the sandbox in the backyard, dad's watching through the window. And this little boy's playing, and he finds this big old rock. And he gets there, and he begins to push this rock and move this rock, and, and he's there frustrated, and he gets it to the edge of the sandbox, and he's trying to get it out, and, and he can't. No matter how hard he tried, no matter how hard he pushed, and all of a sudden, he begins to cry. And dad walks outside and says, what's wrong? And he begins to cry and say, this rock is in my sandbox, and I can't get it out. And he says, but you haven't used all your strength. And he says, yes, dad, I'm pushing, I'm using all of my strength. And the dad says, no, you haven't, son, because you haven't called me. And he leans down and picks up the rock with one hand and pushes it out of the sandbox. And what happens many times, we worry. We're in the sandbox of life and we're pushing this rock. And we're pushing it and we're pushing it and we're frustrated and we're crying and we're trying and we're, we're at the point of giving up and desperation. And God says, cast those cares on me. Call me. I'll take care of it. I will deal with it. Seek first the kingdom. Cast your cares on him. Number two is this. We overcome worry by controlling our thoughts. We overcome worry by controlling our thoughts. I said at the beginning, worry comes from our thoughts. It starts with our thoughts. What is it that we're thinking about? Can I, let me read you these two verses. Watch, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some translations say, which is your reasonable service, is the least thing you could do. Then verse number two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen, we need to control our thoughts and we need to renew our mind. When something happens, woe is me. I can't believe this is happening. Why? We begin to question. We begin to doubt. We begin to worry. You know, this week, my wife and I were supposed to go out of town. Just a couple of days. Two nights, three quick little days just to connect, spend some time alone, spend some time with the Lord. And she injured her foot about six weeks ago, and it's been an ordeal. And so she started physical therapy this week. And one of the first things the physical therapist said was this, no walking on sand for you. We were supposed to go to the beach. So there went that. And we're there, and we're like, all right, I guess we can't go to the beach. We got physical therapy. We got these different things. And, and so we decided, well, well, you know what? We're still going to try to just get some rest. And so the girls were spending time with my mom, and we were just trying to rest. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call on Thursday afternoon from my mom. And she says, I'm so sorry to bother you, but I came to Winn-Dixie with the girls, to Fresco y Mas, and we're trying to leave, and the car won't start. All right, I'll be right there. So I jump into my truck, and I drive over to Fresco y Mas, I put the car, I work on giving it a jump, I go change the battery, I go do all the different stuff, right? And one of my daughters says, you know, God takes care of everything, doesn't he? I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, mom's foot is hurt, and I know that's not good, and I know you're supposed to go out of town, but you weren't able to go out of town. And if you had been out of town, who would have come? We still would be stranded. Now, in my mind, I'm like, I know enough guys, I would have called, you would have gotten somebody fast, right? I would have taken care of it. I had a bunch of y'all in here. I would have been like, hey, please, can you go hook it up? I just need you to take care of it. And I, and I, and... But what did my daughter see? She saw this. If you had been out of town, this problem would have been more severe. But because you were in town, God used it. How are we thinking when things happen? Where does our thought process go? Does our thought process go immediately to, oh, this happened because the world has it out against me? Oh, this happened because of X, Y, or Z. Oh, this happened because nothing good happens to me. Estoy salado, right? Where does our mind go? Where does it go? Sorry, it doesn't make sense in English. Sorry. It just came out. I'm jinxed. That's basically what it was. Where does our thoughts go? Do our thoughts immediately go to a place of woe is me? Or do we reprogram our mind to say, this happened, but you're with me. You'll help me overcome. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it but I'll still trust in you. 
Watch. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Look at what it says. Starting in verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Watch. What's happening sucks, but because I'm thinking about God, peace comes in. And then... Paul continues to write through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse number eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I ask you again, what are we thinking about? Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham. Help me out now. Abraham is known as the father of? Faith. We'll do that one more time. Abraham is known as the father of? Faith. The father of faith. As a matter of fact, almost every world religion calls Abraham the father of their faith. From Catholicism to Christianity to Judaism to Islam calls Abraham the father of faith. And you know what Romans chapter 4 says? Abraham did not consider his body, which was 100 years old, or that of his wife, which by the way, she was 90 years old. He didn't consider the body. He didn't think about the fact that his body couldn't have kids he held on to the promise. And you and I, many times, we're limited because we begin to think, I can't. We'll say things like, hey, pray with me. Pray with me for my spouse, but I think this is over. You want me to pray or not? Because if you think it's over, it's done. I said this recently to somebody. I said, hey, because we we're praying about a certain situation. And they said, I, I, I think this is done. And I said, listen, if you're done fighting, I'm not fighting. If you're not fighting for the miracle, what do you want me to do? It's your life, not mine. And we do this. We, we try to hedge our bets. Lord, I'm praying for healing, if it's your will. Wait, last time I checked, when the leper asked Jesus, you can heal me if you're willing, Jesus said, I will. Not once do I find somebody asking Jesus for healing where he said no. So why do we put little escape clauses? Because we're not totally believing. We're not totally in faith. We don't have complete trust that he can do it. So 
we, we want to be able to say, well, I guess it, it, just, it wasn't his will. And then you ask me, well, then why did I pray for this and it didn't happen? Listen, I don't know the answer, but I know his will. His will is to do it. And have I had things happen in my life that I prayed and fought for and I didn't see it come to pass? Absolutely. But it doesn't alter my faith that it's going to happen. God, you're going to move. I don't get it. And it hurts. But I love you anyways. And when something else comes, I'm going to believe again. What does the enemy want to try to do? Bring back. Hey, but you prayed for that last time. You prayed for this other thing and it didn't happen. You know what? Watch, watch, watch. You're not special enough for God. It happened for so-and-so. It didn't happen for you. And then what does that worry do? Question who we are. And if we question who we are, if we question our worth, if we question our value, our faith is quenched. This is number three. Watch. We overcome worry by knowing who we are. We overcome worry by knowing who we are. I looked at my daughter last night and I said to her, I don't care if you get it right or wrong. You're still my daughter and I'm proud of you. And God will look at us and say, stop worrying. There's nothing you could do to earn it. You're my son. You're my daughter. It's like the story of Simba. Y'all know Simba, Lion King? Don't tell me you haven't watched The Lion King. Simba's told by Mufasa, don't go to the elephant graveyard. But Simba goes. And Simba's in the elephant graveyard. And the stampede happens. And Mufasa goes and he saves Simba. And when he's climbing back out, Scar comes and hits Mufasa. And Mufasa falls, and he dies. And then Scar goes to Simba and says, you killed your father. And Simba runs. He meets Timon and Pumbaa. They sing, Akuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Akuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy, but it was a lie. He wasn't worry-free. He was carrying a weight that wasn't his, thinking he killed his father. And he was no longer eligible to be king. had to be confronted and he had to be reminded remember who you are and when the enemy comes to question have us question our value when the enemy comes to have you think you're no longer worthy to be called his son when the enemy tries to get you to think you're no longer able you've lost your ability can i tell you this morning you overcome it by remembering who you are the bible says you are the head and not the tail the bible says you are a chosen generation you are a royal priesthood the bible says that you are his son you are his daughter and you remember who you are and you confront it and you take the throne 
that had your name on it. Worry can extinguish our faith. And we combat it as we realign our focus to God. Seek him and his kingdom. As we turn our attention to him. As we remember who we are as his sons and as his daughters. As we begin to control our thought patterns. And we've got to control it because the easiest thing to do is to think we can't. And if we think we can't, can I tell you something? We won't. My daughter, for the first time ever, ran in sports last year. She ran cross country. She ran track. We're gearing up to start training for this next season. And I remember watching her. And I would start, right, the gun goes off, and I'd start my clock, and I'd start looking at her pace, and I, and, I, and I knew she wasn't running to her potential. And I'd look at her, and I'd say, Mama, you need to start off a little harder. You've got to do it. And she would tell me this, I don't think I have enough in the tank. And her thought process slowed her down. I remember her coach looking at her at districts last year. As a sixth grader and looked at her and said, you're running with these high school girls. Here's so-and-so. Just keep pace with her. It's a 5K, almost it's three miles, right? Keep pace with her for mile one. Keep pace with her for mile two. And then we'll see what happens. And so that's what she did. She, she began to run. And she kept pace with this girl that was a ninth grader and been running for years. She got to mile one and she got to mile two. And guess what happened on mile three? She passed her and a bunch of other girls and finished ahead of all of those girls. And, and I remember this older girl looking at her and saying, wow, like, like I don't get it. You were supposed to keep pace with me, but I was trying to keep pace with you. Here's what happened when she stopped thinking she couldn't. you and I are stopped thinking that we can't and we start knowing that we can because of who he is and what he did in our lives not only will we finish the race but we'll win the race so I challenge you this morning I challenge you this morning seek him first seek him first control the thoughts and remember who you are. Let's stand to our feet.